<laughs> Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It, it just, just Makes sense. sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. And on this episode, we're covering an old but goody crime. It's oldie. Yeah, goody. I found a show that only covers crimes from the 1930s or the 1960s. Oldie but goody. Oh, whatever. Oldie but Old goody. but goody. Whatever. I started to say oldie and it didn't seem right in my head. I felt like this seemed fun. All right. Because I'm always shocked that they can solve crimes from that long ago when like it was so hard to get real evidence. evidence. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, DNA. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm always like, how did they do it? Yeah. So we're off to Independence, Missouri oh. in 1960s. It looks picturesque, but we start out on Lover's Lane <gasps> where teens go to have some privacy. Hey. And I, I love how on the show they're like every town in the USA has a Lover's Lane. I'm like my town didn't. I'm say we didn't have one. I don't think we had one. We definitely had like a park in my neighborhood where there was like an old mattress thrown around with some like malt liquor, but I wouldn't call it a lover's lamb. An old mattress yeah. with some one malt liquor? One time we went into the park, me, I was young, I was probably like nine, and we walked into the park and there was all these cans around like an old mattress on the ground. Really? So we collected all the cans and took it for money. <gasps> Thrifty. Thank you. Anywho, Independence, Missouri was a smaller town outside of Kansas City. Kansas City at the time was like surrounded by this type of smaller areas with a lot of struggling farmers. In Independence, there was an abandoned farmland that people would go to to have their affairs. On May 28th, 1960, Detective James Browning received a call about a body of a young woman found in the fields. She had four bullet wounds, one on either side of her neck by her collarbone, one on the left side of her face, and one in her abdomen. Jesus. She also had gunpowder burns on the tip of her skirt, indicating that the gun was held directly at the body. The dress was up above her waist, and her underwear had been ripped off. So the police believe this could have been a rape and a murder. Okay. But, like, again, they can't use any DNA evidence. It's so wild to me. Yeah. How will we find what do out? They do? Nearby in the grass, the police discover a purse, and the purse is the ID for Patricia Jones. So it's their first lead. I went to um, elementary school with a girl named Patricia Jones. Really? And we relentlessly bullied her because she was heavy. Jeff! I know. Terrible. If you do listen. I was going to say, you should atone for your sins and message her. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Patty, if you are listening, I apologize for the song. Well, look. Stop it. We're getting canceled. Stop it. You are so rude. I was like eight or nine. Did she go to your high school? No. Oh, she just she probably school. left. She probably did. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't. I'll sing the song later. Okay. Pat Jones had been the luckiest girl in independence. Anything, this, anything that a girl could have wished for, it came true for her. Her husband came home from war and had a nice job as a car salesman. They always had a new model car parked outside the house. Well, isn't that convenient? Right? She had two adorable kids, a boy, Jerry, and a girl, Cindy. But now, Pat would never see her kids <gasps> grow up. This was shocking to independence. Who would have killed a local and loving mother? 
But right away, the detectives felt like something was off. The trajectory of the bullets seemed weird to them. So the police reenacted it and realized that Pat would have been down on her knees to get the same type of bullet wounds that she had with the murderer standing over her execution style. What were you doing on your knees, Pat? I don't I didn't think that at all. I thought they made her kneel down and they shot her execution I mean, style. I get it, but I'm the pervert on this podcast. Honestly, God, uh, poor Pat. <laughs> There were no shell casings. The killer had cleaned up the scene. Was this premeditated? Probably. They did find a bullet that went through the abdomen and lodged into the ground from a twenty-two pistol. A young man named John Boldies discovered the body. He had ran to a gas station and called the police. He said that there was no one else parked out there at the time, just him and the body. But the police were like, why were you by there. yourself out there? Especially Weirdo. like it was like heading towards dark. Like what were you doing? The police smelled a rat. So they bring him down to the station for some questioning. Walter Jones, Patricia's husband, had also been brought into the police station. Where were you, Walter? He was only 23 years old and an ex-Marine. He has lived a life. Right. Plus two kids. He said he he last saw Patricia on Thursday morning when he left for work. And we find out that on Friday evening, he had called his wife in as a missing person. The police want to know why he didn't call the police on Thursday night when she didn't come home. They were like, is it normal for your wife to stay out all night, Walt? What was she doing? What was she doing? But also like, okay, cops, calm down. But Walter was like, no, it was not normal. But I thought she was just trying to teach me a lesson. So Walter was saying she gets mad when I get home late. And I didn't get home to around 11, 11, 30, 30 on Wednesday night. Right away, the cops were like, wait, wait, wait. Walter. Sir, you're a car salesman, correct? Do you sell a lot of cars to 1130 at night? What was her name? Wally. And Walter's like, well, no, but like there's a lot of paperwork to do in the car industry. Right. So they just like flat out ask him if he's having an affair. And Walt breaks down. Tells the fucking truth. Of course Tells he Tells the truth. Sings like a canary. He said he sold a woman a Thunderbird about two months ago. Mm. And he was just taken by her. He sold her the car and they started dating. He told the cops it was a mistake. Now, this woman, Sharon, <laughs> is claiming she's in love with him. And, that she's, and he thinks that she's crazy. She said she told him that she's pregnant and he, she wants him to leave his family. Mm. And he was like, can you even believe that? Y- yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I can. I actually don't think she's crazy at all. I think you're being a, a little bit of a dick. I think you were probably lying and saying, telling Correct. her that you were going to leave your Correct. family. Walter. Right. Walter says, I t- told her that he doesn't believe that she's pregnant and he's not leaving his wife. Do you remember? Um, side note. Tops when they used to talk about Walter. And the ads, like Walter in the produce department? No. You don't remember that? No, my mom worked at Tops for 30 years. Yeah, Walter. Keep I'm going to have to ask her. Also, okay, another question. What? If they couldn't do DNA tests back in the day, how do they prove paternity? Oh. You know what I mean? Because he's like, I don't believe that she was pregnant. Like, what if she was really pregnant? And then like. I guess he said, she I, said. Oh, my God. So when he got home on Wednesday, Pat knew that Walter was having an affair and she was pissed. They got into a huge fight. The next morning, Pat was still mad when she took off her work. 
When she didn't come home, Walter called the people that she carpooled with, the Hearsts. He said that they told him a crazy story. What was that? That Thursday at work, packets a call from a Mr. Woman who says, my sister is having an affair with your husband and asks Pat to meet her at Highway 24 and North Liberty Street. Would you go? No. Well, the Hearsts, her work friends, didn't like the sound of it, but Pat insisted, and they watched her get into the car with this woman. Walter figured it had to be Sharon and not Sharon's sister. Mm. So he stormed over to Sharon's house on Thursday, and he admitted to telling Pat, and he admitted to Sharon that he told Pat about the affair. Walter said that Sharon didn't seem overly upset about it. She was just like, listen, I'm sure it's not a big deal. Pat was probably just mad. She went to a hotel to cool off for the night. Did and she? Walter believed her. <gasps> so the, the cops are like, wait, 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 Walt. wait. What is Sharon's full name? And he goes, Sharon Kinney. And the minute he says that, the cop's face like completely changed. Really? And they're like, wait, Sharon Kinney. And they excuse themselves from the room because Sharon Kinney is the young girl that the cops had just questioned two months ago after her husband died in his bed. Mm. She was a beautiful 20 year old woman. When her husband died, she said that they had been planning to have supper before church. He wanted to rest his eyes beforehand. So he went upstairs to the bedroom. She said she heard her daughter ask her husband, daddy, how does this thing work? And the next thing she heard was a gun blast. Their daughter had accidentally shot their fa- her father. What? He had been shot in the back of the head, and the right pillow on his bed had a gunshot wound from a twenty-two pistol. So let's take a step back to 1956, when Sharon met James Kinney at a church social. They had a whirlwind romance and got married that fall. Shortly after, she got pregnant and gave birth to their daughter. The little girl was uh, like too young to really tell the cops what happened. And there's a paraffin test that you can do to be able to find gun residue on your hands. Okay. But the cops didn't want to subject the little girl and the young mother to having hot wax poured on their hands. So they didn't do the test. (gasps) And Sharon got the life insurance money, which would have been equal to $230,000 in today's money. So back then, Sharon was rolling in the dough. This was suspicious. So detectives went back two days later with an unloaded twenty-two pistol to see if their daughter could even pull the trigger. Sharon didn't want her daughter to go through with it, but she relented. And sure enough, the little girl picked up the gun and was able to pull back the safety and pull the trigger, just like her dad had showed her when playing Cowboys and Indians. What? So the cops ruled it as an accident. All right. Well, that father is a moron right why are but, you showing a little girl how to my use a thing gun? is is like okay did that happen or in the two days that the cops were gone did sharon teach her how to use a gun mm, i think you like don't that. think that's so? a little bit of a stretch all right fine so anywho now sharon's husband is killed with the 22 pistol and now her boyfriend's wife is murdered with the same type of weapon sharon doesn't look so good you got some spining to do but they need more information so they bring in John Boldies, the guy who had discovered the body. And they're like, okay, so you were just driving at night to clear your head and you just happened to see a body 50 feet out in the tall grass. And he's like, okay, wait, 
Well, at one point, I did have to stop to go pee. That's when I got out into the grass and I saw the body. Mm. And the police were like, you know what, John? Enough with the fucking bullshit. This is a murder. Tell us the truth. Really? And he was like, okay, fine. <laughs> he was not alone. John Bulldies admits that he had taken a woman off, had taken a woman off to Lover's Lane, someone that he <gasps> was been dating on and off since high school. Not Sharon. They were in the throes of making out when his lover spotted something out in the grass, and that's when they found the body. So this r- woman, where was she when the police arrived? Like she wasn't there when he went and called the cops. Oh. He said that she was nervous. She had stated, "I'm the last person who saw her alive." You have to take me home. What? So he goes to take her home and then he calls the police. And the cops were like, the last person to see Pat alive. Let me take a wild guess. Is your girlfriend Sharon Kinney? And he goes, oh my God. Yeah. Do you know her? Mm -hmm. Called it. So before she was Kinney, she was Sharon Hall. In high school, she always had her nose in a book and would only talk about how she was going to go move to New York City or L.A. to become a star. James Kinney was going to BYU, and people think that Sharon married him because she figured, well, Utah is closer to California. Like, she figured, like, if I can move there, it's like one step closer to getting to California. Interesting. But James Kinney ended up dropping out of BYU and moving them back to Independence. James Kinney and his parents were devout members of the LDS church, but Sharon was not a Mormon, but she agreed to convert for him if they could move out of, if they could move to Utah. But then that ended up being squashed. So the cops are done with hearing about this woman and race off to go find her. The police request that she come down to the station, but she keeps having excuse after excuse about why she can't go down. She was kind of like, I thought this was over about my husband. If I come down, who's going to watch my daughter? So Sharon convinces a police officer to take her and her daughter to the beauty salon where Sharon's mom is getting her hair done so that her mom can watch her daughter while she's at the police station. Okay. And so she like leaves the daughter in the police car and goes into the beauty salon for like, like an hour and a half. And then finally comes out and was like, my mom's hair's still not done yet. It's only going to be like another 20 minutes or so. And like walks back into the salon. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? So just let her do that. But at some point, the detective like marches in and is like, enough. Like, you're, give me, your daughter's staying here. Get the hell in the car. Could you imagine doing that to a cop nowadays? <laughs> and them waiting? They, I think they would come in after like, like maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, right? So they finally get her to the police station and begin questioning her. They ask her how she knows Patricia Jones. And right away, Sharon acts dumb and is like, who's that? And the police are like, Walter Jones's wife. And she goes, Walter. And they're like, and then she says, is that the man who sold me my Thunderbird? He's a car salesman. It's like. Dude, this Sharon. So the police. Sharon got game. Yep. I mean, uh, um, so the police questioned her about her affair with him and she just kind of like sighs and was like, okay, yes, I was feeling vulnerable after James had died. It was just a couple of times. He was a dud. 
Sharon. And they're like, oh, really? Walter told us that you were in love with him and that you're pregnant and that he should leave his wife. <gasps> what she said. And immediately her demeanor changes and she screams, he was in love with me. What a liar. <gasps> the drama. drama. She said that's why she broke it off with him. He's dishonest. But now that she remembers <laughs> Patricia... Maybe now she can remember why Pat's co-workers saw Pat get in a co- into a car with Sharon the day she disappeared. And Sharon goes, oh, you know what? To be honest, like I did meet with her, but I just felt so bad for her. She said she did meet with Patricia Jones and told Pat. She told her that her sister, so Sharon's sister, was having an affair with Walter. And she said she told Pat that it was her sister because she wanted her to be mad at Walter and not at her. This bitch. She dropped Pat off at her house a little before six. Sharon then met with her brother close to seven to run some errands for her upcoming birthday party. When they asked John. Oh, wait. Oh, they then they asked him about John, the other guy that was in the car with her when she found the body. Okay. And she was like, "Is they were like, Sharon, is this another guy that you've been intimate with? And she just kind of giggled and was like, I mean, yeah, he's I know him, but like nothing serious. Did this kind of hit home for you? I, I was about to be like, is she my idol? <laughs> Other than the killing. I honestly don't say anything wrong. <laughs> but the police were like, look. John told us that you were together when you found Sharon's body after she had been shot and murdered with a 22 caliber pistol. And she said, look, when Walter found out that I told Pat about the affair, he was so angry, yelling, a maniac. Sharon told Walter that everything would be fine, but he was being a lunatic and she was terrified. She was so scared of what he would do after he left that the next day she called John Valdez to go out to help her look for her friend Sharon to make sure that she was okay. This fucking bitch. This bitch has got answers for everything. She sure does. But the cops were like, look, you were the last person to see Patricia Jones and you were the one who found her body. That's a hell of a coincidence. And she was like, John was the one who wanted to park there. I'm sure he told you that. A lot of people go out there to park. But you're you're right, detectives. That is just such a crazy coincidence. And then she says, I need to get started on dinner and just walks out of the police station. (laughs) That is 100% something I would say. Well, I didn't pick the location. You should be asking John. John drove Seemed like he knew. (laughs) You didn't hear it from me. The detectives were pissed. They're like, okay. We made a mistake with Sharon's husband by not doing the paraffin test, but we can't let her get away with Pat's murder. No one else can die. But then another mistake was made. What? With the autopsy of Pat's body. (gasps) The coroner's department let her body go straight to the funeral home, so it was washed and embalmed before they could run any tests. Dummy. All the physical evidence was removed from the body. Fuck. Dummy. But they get a warrant to search Sharon's house. They find the box that a twenty-two pistol came in and with a receipt that the gun had been purchased two weeks before Pat's murder. But the gun was missing from the box. They couldn't find it anywhere in the house. So they bring Sharon back into the station, but she claims she lost the gun at an out-of-town trip a week before Pat's murder. She didn't think to mention it before because she had just forgotten about it. She'd been interrogated for 13 hours. 
She was smug, abrasive, and impervious to any of their interview tactics. Now, despite not having any evidence, they actually, at the end of her interrogation, took a bold step and charged her with murder of both James Kinney and Patricia Jones. Wow. Like, how? Based on what? I don't know. This trial was wild. She was front page news for months. The town couldn't get enough of it. Her trial got delayed because. Why? Guess why? She actually was pregnant. (gasps) So they waited until she gave birth to a little girl that she insisted was James Kinney's child, even though the stork came 10 months after he had been shot. Mm, Ma'am. Ma'am. You got Sharon loved the attention in the trial. She was basking in it because now she was a star. Like she showed up uh, with like big Hollywood sunglasses, like waved to the newspapers. Like she like loved every minute of this. Alex Peebles was the defense attorney for Sharon. If you wanted to get out of a crime and had the money, you went to Alex Peebles. The entire town was surprised that some of her strongest supporters were her in-laws. Really? They did not believe that Sharon did it. But the cops were like, that just seems a little weird because we know that they didn't like Sharon because she wasn't a practicing Mormon. That was like a huge like contention between them. Okay. The in-laws were devoted grandparents. And we soon found out that Sharon would restrict their access to the grandkids unless they outwardly showed her their support for her. It was an astoundingly effective PR move. So they try Sharon first for Patricia's homicide. They did have a doctor conduct a second autopsy and a post-mortem examination places the time of death at 6 p.m., which was the last time Sharon saw Patricia. But the defense hammered home the timeline. How could she drive to Phelps Road, do all of that, and call her father-in-law in just one hour? But then they get a blockbuster piece of evidence. What? The gun that Sharon purchased was previously owned by an airline pilot. Okay. He didn't have any bullets from the gun currently, but he had shot into a stump near the airport. So the prosecution and the defense didn't know this until he said it during trial. So the thing is, is like a bullet from a gun is like a fingerprint. It makes marks on the gun that can only be replicated by the same type of gun. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they can find the bullet in the stump, and match it to the bullet they found at Sharon Kinney's or at Pat's um, Pat Jones's crime scene, the one from the abdomen. They had her. <gasps> so the judge ruled that both the defense and the prosecution could go looking for the bullet. So they like race off to the stump to see who can get there first, and they start using a train saw to cut the stump into sections. They found seven bullets in the piece of wood, but only one of them turned out to be from a twenty-two caliber. What does the match? The chainsaw cut the bullet in half, Uh, making it inadmissible as evidence in court. Wow. Like, are you freaking kidding me? That's insane. That's all the evidence they had. The jury went out and deliberated for 1.5 hours. What do you think they found her? Not guilty. Not guilty. Yeah. Like, how could they find her guilty? There's no evidence. There's no evidence. The courtroom erupted in cheers, but it made the detectives even more determined to convict her of killing her husband. But they needed more evidence. They convinced John Baldiz to drive her around and try to get her to confess. While they were having a conversation in the car, it was being tape recorded by a detective in the trunk. (gasps) 
Isn't that hilarious? That is really funny. So James was like, are you doing all right? Um, we never really like talked about anything, but Sharon keeps avoiding the conversation about her husband completely. And then John finally asked the question. He says, do you remember when you said you'd give me a thousand dollars if I killed James? You were joking, right? Or did you mean it? And she just completely ignores him and asks him about a movie that she just saw. She kept her mouth shut. She wouldn't confess to anything. Yeah, duh. So back to the drawing board. They got John Baldiz to sign a statement that before James died, Sharon had offered him $1,000 to kill her husband. But then, then, what? James flipped on the stand. He said, oh, she, she was just joking around. She was angry with him. She was being sarcastic. She never meant that as like a real thing. James. The cr- prosecutor immediately cross-examines him, but the law says that you cannot re-cross-examine a witness just because you're not happy with what they said. I didn't realize that. Oh. But despite all of that, in the end, Sharon Kinney is found guilty of the murder of her husband. Really? And she's sentenced to life in prison. That's crazy. I thought so too. Like how? How? They don't even like say why. They just said like she ended up being sentenced. There's no evidence. I wonder if the jury just didn't believe that the daughter could do it. Maybe. You know? She's given life in prison, but she doesn't spend her life in prison. After serving 18 months... Because of John Baldi's, how he flipped, the appeals court overturns the conviction. They should. The second trial ends in mistrial. The third trial ends in a hung jury. And this entire time, she's out on bail. The fourth trial is scheduled for 1964. Sergeant Browning, at this point, the detective, has personally testified three times against her in court. He just couldn't let this one go. Even after the investigation closed, he stayed on her trail, but he was always one step behind her and he couldn't stop her. Even when she decided to kill again. <gasps> this was no. juicy. Because all of a sudden, a newspaper is dropped on Sergeant, Sergeant Browning's desk. Sharon Kinney has been arrested in Mexico for murder. Get out. A man named Francisco Odenas is found dead in an upscale hotel in Mexico City with a bullet to his back. He's a Chicago-based radio announcer who is also a Mexican national. Sharon said that he had tried to rape her and she was defending herself, but the man had been shot in the back. Mm. A hotel employee responds and he ends up getting shot in the arm. Sharon tells the Mexican police that she was in Mexico for vacation, but when they search her room, they find bags of money and 300 rounds of ammunition and a fake ID. Jesus. Here are my thoughts. Where are her children? Just three. With her mom. I guess. They find a 22 caliber pistol. Is that the murder weapon that could have that was never found for the other crimes? Three hundred rounds, Jesus Christ! So the Mexican police shot three bullets out of the gun and sent it to the Kansas City, Missouri, and it's tested. It's match. a direct match for Patricia Jones. Oh. So the police have confirmation that Sharon was her murderer. So you can, so can, like, can you imagine, like, but Sharon, Sharon got away with that one, right? But, like, Sharon drove Pat out to that abandoned farmland, made her kneel, and then just shot her? Detectives also believed before Pat died, Sharon told her that she was pregnant with Walt's child. 
She then stages the sexual assault crime scene and then goes off to her birthday party. What a fucking psycho. What a fucking psycho. But because of double jeopardy clause, she she couldn't be recharged for that crime. But the Mexican police charge her and she gets 13 years in prison in Mexico. Four years later, she's out. Sharon Kinney escaped from the Mexican prison no. where she was being held. In 1969, during, during a movie night for the prisoners and their families, there's a blackout. And when the power came back on, Sharon had escaped. No one has ever seen Sharon again. Really? She just disappeared with the wind. That's wild. Isn't that such a crazy story? Wow, that is crazy. That was a good one. Shot her husband. Got pregnant by another man. Shot his wife. Shot some radio newscast. We have no idea why she was with this radio news reporter. Yeah. What had happened. Why they were together. Nothing. That's crazy. And at first I was like, okay, I'm going to give this old timey case a chance. But like how much information could they really possibly have? And they had so much information. Isn't that such a good one? There's a book about her. What a fucking. She was pretty pretty. Yeah, she. I mean, she's okay looking. Yeah. She'd be 83. I know. So, Sharon Kinney, if you're out there, Sharon, if you're listening, if you're addicted to the pod, please chime in. Sharon. Contact us. Let us know. Yo, Sharon's kids, you're still alive. Seriously. Where you at? Where's mom's? Where's mom's? She's R.I.P. at this point. You think? Her mom, she, Sharon's 84. Oh, yeah, her yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, her yeah. mom. Oh, where's mom's to the kids? Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. where's she at? All right. Isn't that a crazy one? That is crazy. Let us know what you guys think. Slide into our DMs. Give us some inspiration. If you want to give us any cr- trials or crimes that you want to see covered, you can sl- follow me on Instagram at SamSmithSess. You can follow me at 1F and Jeff. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.